And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, gentlemen, we have a very interesting question on the table before us today, and it is simply this, how to read the Bible. Some of the background of this question, however, deals with the use specifically of metaphors. Um, Not long ago, we went through reviewing the whole heresy of campingism and his uh, insistence on deeper spiritual meanings and all of that. But uh, one of the risks uh, we may experience is overreacting to his heresies and therefore throwing out all metaphor when, in fact, there are portions, I believe, in the scriptures that are metaphorical. So today the question is rather a a broad one, and it's simply how to read the Bible. And uh, who can get us started on this today? Well, of course, I think how to read the Bible, one of the first thing is to read the Bible. (laughs) <laughs> and uh yeah. you know that's yeah. a you know one of the biggest uh, problems is getting people to sit down because it is indeed uh, God's word as uh, the mm-hmm. Thessalonians said Paul wrote them he says you know you received what we said to you you received it as it is the very word of God and that's what this is is the very word of God so first thing is to read it but of course mm-hmm. then there's a lot of different genres in which the Bible is written. I mean, after all, it was written over a period of, what, about 1,500 years? And then we've got, uh, what, some 40 authors in there, and we've got got all of this. And so we have a lot of different genres in there, and and so you have metaphors, you have similes. Um, But, of course, one of the problems is, like you said with Harold Camping, is to try to take and get past that literal meaning. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, anybody who reads the Bible can understand it literally. We have a word for that. John taught me this word. He talks about the Bible and its perspicuity. Mm-hmm. And what's a perspicuity, John? Well, it's the clarity. The Scriptures, of course, if God gave it and is communicating to us, we assume that it is perspicacious. That's a big word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it means that it possesses its own clarity. Right. And therefore, it can be understood. Now, I don't uh, wouldn't go on to say, I would say that Peter is right. Some things there, he says, that our brother Paul wrote are difficult to understand. Yeah. That's interesting. But how the plain he said that. teaching of Scripture, uh, the simple message of salvation is clear. Of course, there are some, some more difficult things. You know, when we encounter the divine and his communication to us, we're going to find sometimes things that are uh, just, we can just pick off the table and eat but other things we're going to have to dig Mm -hmm. they're like pieces of gold we have to dig down deep to get them he just doesn't give everyone everything you have to work for again going back to the campingism heresy some people think there are hidden meanings buried real deep in there and that if you're just smart enough and using the right formulation you can get at those. The, the ancient Christians, the primitive Christians, or the early church dealt with this. Mm-hmm. They, they did see that there were different meanings of Scripture, and, and no doubt there are. Uh, they talked about the literal meaning. Um, they talked about the spiritual meaning. They talked about the allegorical meaning, and, and in some cases another uh, viewpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems to me that if it's given in the common Hebrew and the common Greek... We ought to, first of all, understand it the way the original author meant for us to understand it. And in many cases, it's just simply literal. 
mm-hmm. I say to you, or uh, do not bear false witness. What spiritual meaning can you get there except to don't bear false witness? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I think what happens, as John is saying, you know, the early church, you had some of the church fathers that were trying to, to see more meaning. Um, we also had a heresy in the early church called Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they were based on special knowledge, you know. And oh, they, yes. And, and, you know, the Gnostic heresy has never really gone away. Never has. It never has. And we always have people who want to have the inside and and see something there that nobody else can see. And if they can see something there that nobody else can see, then they become kind of self-important, you know, because they've got the inside track on it, you know. And secret knowledge. It's it's a secret knowledge. And uh, we've had any number of religions that go through that. A lot of pride involved in that. There's a lot of pride. The Bible is given, I I used to, when I was teaching, uh, distinguish between exoteric and esoteric. (laughs) Now, those are two terms, I think, in in religion you should know. Uh, Esoteric knowledge is a kind of secret knowledge, Mm -hmm. and some people read the Bible thinking that there's secret knowledge in there, like a code or something else and so forth. I'm not saying that there's not some kind of code, let's say, for instance, in the book of Revelation and some of those names, mm-hmm. but that would that's not important. Right. This this idea of the Bible code, though, is, is, is a bunch of hokum. Yeah, it is. Uh, but the important thing about the word exoteric is that God gave it not to create a special hidden knowledge, but that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you might have life in his name. So the scriptures have a point mm-hmm. to teach us the knowledge of God in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament points to him. The New Testament, of course, is that which he fulfilled and is about his life on earth and his resurrection, his ascension and coming again. So it, it's God's not trying to hide things from us. He wants us to know clearly yeah. and easily what, what he has revealed. Well, with that, we'll take a short break. And uh, today you're listening to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. And we're talking about the subject, how to read the Bible. Stay with us. We'll be right back. But to hear what you would say, word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12400. 
1-800-242-5061. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. Today we're talking about how to read the Bible. And gentlemen, when the mic was closed, you shared a bunch of information in in fast uh, sequence, and uh, it was fascinating. But I'm wondering if we can just start talking about uh, some of the things you were mentioning while the mic was off. Can you give some examples of different genres, let's say, in the Bible? I'll I'll say one thing before Mark maybe has a few of them there, but uh, this program is called A Plain Answer. Why? Because you want to communicate clearly and plainly. The first and important way to read the Scripture is is to read the plain meaning of Scripture. Yeah. For God is communicating with us and wants us to understand. Now, does he use figures of speech as any language would, uh, like metaphor, or simile, uh, hyperbole? Uh, of course, and uh, uh, Mark, Mark, uh, you mentioned uh, Psalm one there. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, the Bible is full of the richness of of language and and the usage of all these things. And uh, Psalm one is one that, that starts off with three three metaphors, follows with a couple of similes. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Then he is like a tree, there's our simile now, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are what? Simile, like the chaff that the wind blows away. Mm. Beautiful uh, imagery using the three metaphors of uh, walking and standing and sitting and then using two similes of a tree and the chaff. And uh, it's very rich. Or hyperbole, the camel and the eye of the needle. Now, I know there are some who talk about the needle gate and the camel Mm -hmm. dipping under. Well, uh, this is really hyperbole here. Yeah. and in the end of John's Gospel, where it says, I suppose that he did so many things that the books of the whole world yes. could not contain all the things he did. Well, uh, that, that's that's just simply for effect. It means he did an awful lot more yeah. that we haven't included here. It's an effective way right. of communicating. Like I say to my 
daughters when they were young grow. I've told you a million times. Well, all I meant was I've told them a lot of times. Yeah. So the Bible just communicates. After all, it's given to us in the New Testament in what is called Koine Greek. Mm-hmm. The Greek used in the marketplace to talk about in ordinary ways and patterns of speech. And mm-hmm. that is, that's a, that's a marvelous you know, observation. You know, the Koine Greek is the language of the common people. And that's a, that, that was the most used language around the world at that time, and that was important. And then on top of that, they used translation because the apostles and uh, Jesus uh, would often quote the Old Testament, and what would they use? They'd use the Septuagint. Oh, yeah, That was a translation. Absolutely. That was a translation. And they would, they would use the Septuagint rather than the Hebrew. original Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And reason is that most of the Jews in Alexandria and other places, they all spoke Greek. They yeah. lost their Hebrew culture. So uh, it's interesting that uh, it's quite clear that Paul uses the Septuagint. Mm-hmm. Uh, that word means 70. There were, according to tradition, 70 translations, official translations of the Hebrew uh, into Greek uh, to be used among the Jews of the diaspora or the uh, and that in the synagogues and so forth. Yeah. You know, when we started, uh, one of you fellows said, uh, when we're starting to talk about how to read the Bible, um, basically you want to read the Bible. You, you just want to start reading the Bible. And um, let's say somebody's out there today listening. Uh, maybe this is new to you, and you'd like to start reading the Bible. Any good suggestions where to start, how to do it? Yeah, before we go into that, I, I remember years ago, I was involved with the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, and they were going through a big struggle. And uh, it was because of one of their professors in the seminary who, who did not affirm the inerrancy of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And so there's a big struggle back and forth, and I remember one of uh, the people talking about it, and he says, here we're fighting over uh, whether the scriptures are inerrant, and we're trying to, to maintain that, that precious doctrine. He says, maybe we should spend time reading it. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're really. maintaining the doctrine. Let's <laughs> read this thing. You know, it, it is. And, uh, you know, one of the things that you can do is you can get online, you can find a lot of uh, different ways to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them uh, is to read it from cover to cover. Um, I always, uh, you know, read it in different ways at different times. If you read three chapters a day, you will read the Bible through in a year. Okay. If it's an entirely new believer out there who's just starting, I would suggest you start uh, uh, reading uh, the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke. Uh, I would especially recommend the Gospel of John first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, begin to read the book of Genesis. Uh, yes. I, I think you'll find that by reading the Gospels, uh, one of the Gospels first, and then also looking in the book of Genesis, you'll begin to make sense of things. And then, mm-hmm. after you get a little bit familiar with it, then maybe you get on a Bible reading uh, schedule where you can read the Bible through in one year or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Bible itself is like a library. It has all different kinds of books. For instance, the first five books uh, attributed to Moses, uh, they're called often the law because... A lot of founding things are there and what God commanded Israel. The Gospels are a different kind of literary Mm -hmm. uh, genre. We use that word genre. It means kind or sort. Uh, The book of Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It's different altogether, highly symbolic. Then you have wisdom literature like Proverbs, Psalms, and, and of course, 
many of the psalms can be sung, and so they are musical. You oh, can yes. also see poetry there. There's poetry in the Bible. What you mean? Prayers? Prayers? Yeah. Someone mentioned yeah. to me a while ago that you mentioned Proverbs, and uh, there's 31 chapters in right. Proverbs, and uh, that might be a really nice thing to do to take one month and just read um, a chapter a day. And that way, by month the of end thirty-one of, days. Yeah, month yeah. of thirty-one days. That's it. Yeah, don't then, do that in February. Then you're through, <laughs> you're through the book of Proverbs in about one month, and uh, that it. has much wisdom to share on just simply how to live your life. Yeah, adding, adding on to what John was saying, one of the ways I always like, you know, if you're going to read the Bible through in a year, is to read one chapter in the Old Testament, starting with Genesis, one in the New Testament, starting with the Gospels, and one in Psalms. Oh yeah. Five five chapters a day on that schedule get you through the Bible in one year. Yeah. That's neat. It's pretty ambitious, yeah. and yeah. you have to stick with it. Three chapters. Yeah. There's also if you if you go through the New Testament, if you read nine chapters a day in the New Testament, you read it through in one one month. Mm. Remember that the Old Testament is three times longer than the New. It is. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's something to remember. But there's another way to read too, since. Uh, we talked about promise and fulfillment. Remember uh, uh, that in a prior program, remember that this uh, theme is important. We read the Old Testament through the New, yes. meaning that when I read the Bible in the Old Testament, I put on my New Testament glasses and read through them, right. and I see Christ everywhere there. And yeah. Christians rightly read the Bible that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the Psalms, um, saints of God over the centuries have thoroughly enjoyed the psalms, particularly for those who are are hurting or lonely or need a special touch, as you would say, from our Lord. Uh, The psalms are very endearing to the heart. Yeah, the psalms are. They're the biblical hymn book of the the scriptures there, and there is so much in the psalms. Some of them are penitential. Mm. Some of them are... are, just simply praise to God, just yeah. wonderful praise. Hallels. Yeah. Some are, uh, some are what we call imprecatory. Mm-hmm. You know, God curse, God curse your enemies. God, call down the curse, curse in God's name. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So in other words, by reading the Psalms, I'll get a balanced view of who God is. That's right. And some are lament. Some oh, are yes. lament, you know, kind of a... I'm uh, lamenting. Yeah. I'm lamenting the fact that we don't sing the psalms anymore as we should. Yeah. The, the psalms <laughs> is actually a collection of five books, if right. you'll notice that. Uh, you can notice at various places. I think about chapter 73, that starts mm-hmm. the third book. But the important thing uh, about the psalms to remember uh, as well, of course, is that it's not only the the hymn book of Israel, it's the mm-hmm. prayer book of Israel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. It's yeah. both the prayer book and the hymn book. It functions very much like, uh, in some ways, the Book of Common Prayer in the Anglican tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is. It's a very, very great and very deep. So there's so many. In fact, I know an individual who really came to faith who is just struggling with life. Mm-hmm. And uh, she came to faith in very, very much by by reading the Psalms and mm-hmm. realizing they spoke as her heart spoke. You know, there's a as we get closer to the end of the program today. There's a really important Psalm that uh, the people of God have grown to love over the years, and it's often used in um, services uh, where there's been the passing of a loved one. 
Uh, it's Psalm 23. And I, I remember towards the end of my own mother's life, as she was pretty much in a coma, I was quoting that psalm to her as she lay there. I'm just wondering if maybe one of you pastors would be willing to read that and thus share it with our listeners today. Psalm 23. The Lord uh, is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is God's Word. Uh, Some uh, uh, scriptures are more important and relevant to our lives than others. While all the scripture is given by inspiration of God, they're Mm -hmm. profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction. Some scriptures, of course, show more brightly the gospel of Christ than others. If you read a list of numbers in the book of Numbers, it's not quite as edifying. If you read about the (laughs) cross of Christ. So remember that. uh, The old finger method of just opening the scripture up and throwing your finger down on a verse and thinking God is speaking to you. It's probably better to systematically study uh, mm-hmm. the scriptures and to see it in its historical context and then apply it today. One of the things that I try to do in teaching of scriptures is, uh, of course, we always encourage anyone who wants to memorize scriptures to memorize mm-hmm. them, but one of the methods I really like of memorizing is to memorize where certain things are in scriptures. In other words, um, so you know where you can go in scriptures always to find it. The chapter of faith, Hebrews 11, you know. Oh, yes. uh, the giving of, of the law of God, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. You know, the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 John 4. You know, two great love chapters, you know. <laughs> yeah. Just to learn those, you know. Um, the third chapter of John, Nicodemus and being born again. You know, I, that's one of the things I try to encourage people to do. Learn the Bible, learn where things are so that you can find them. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm with my classes, I, I do devotions. I'm hitting major psalms. Mm-hmm. Psalm 23 was one that we hit. Psalm 73. I mean, all the psalms are great, but I want them to get a feel for a, a few great psalms that they'll mm. be able to go back to. I want to say one thing, uh, though. Uh, you should not be in isolation uh, reading the Scripture. You should read the Scripture in the context of the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Scriptures uh, uh, warn us themselves not that no scriptures of private interpretation. You should be reading it with other scriptures, particularly in the context of competent church leadership. Mm-hmm. Not that you can't get a lot on your own, but you certainly are impoverished if you decide to go it alone because God's Spirit is working in the hearts and lives of the whole church, yes. right. not just in an individual. And That's right. you, you cut yourself off from some riches in that way. Well, I'm looking at the clock here, gentlemen. I see we're out of time for the broadcast already today. I can't believe where time has gone so fast. Today we've been talking about how to read the Bible 
And that last comment really uh, is a beautiful summary, and that is uh, join yourself to the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ as you have your private devotions, and then as you hear the word preached publicly and partake of the sacraments of the Lord's table and, of course, of baptism, uh, you will grow up in Christ in a, in a wonderful and a very meaningful way. In the studio with me today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. If you have a question for either of these fine pastors, we would encourage you to email us. That address is ministry at redeemerbroadcasting.org. And a reminder to please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. To be heard, but to hear what you would say, word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. I'm finding myself in the midst of you beyond the music beyond the noise all that I need to be with you and in the quiet hear your voice word of God speak would you pour down like rain washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place